don't put your eggs in that basket, okay? Yes, you will have to go get a secular job. You are going to have to figure out a way to feed your family. You're going to have to put your pride down. You have to sacrifice that, and you're probably not going to make as much money. I lost like 70% of my income. So my wife and I, we had a photography business, and that was her full-time gig, and that was kind of like my side hustle from ministry. I would help her with that. When when I quit my job in the church, I just went to work in our business. And like I said, we lost like 70% of our income at that moment. And it was a sacrifice and it was hard, but God got us through, you know, we worked really hard. And then eventually I took a second job. So I had two jobs. I was working all the time. I was, I was sweating and struggling and all of those things. But at the same time, I was happier than I'd ever been because I was in, I was exactly where God wanted me to be in his church. Hello and welcome to Beyond Damascus, the show where encounter meets mission. My name is Dan Dimite, and I'm here today with uh, a new friend, Keith Nestor. Keith, I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's good to see you. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna hear uh, Keith's amazing conversion story, and uh, he's gonna share some great wisdom with us as well today about how we can really unpack the mysteries of the rosary to make them a, as effective as possible in our life. And uh, so, Keith, why don't we open a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for the grace of conversion that you allowed us to fall in love with you, that you allowed us to come to know you that you brought us into relationship with you. Lord, we thank you so much that you have given us a call to the nations to minister to your people and that uh, you have filled us with the gift of your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that that spirit would be upon Keith and I as we have a conversation today and that your spirit would be upon every listener. I pray, Lord, that today would not be a normal day, but that you would do something new, that as Keith shares his story with us today. And as we talk about the power of the rosary, you would allow something to happen inside of us so that we would go grow to love you more and to be filled with a deeper desire to bring souls to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Keith, um, uh, first, before we get rocking with your story. I just, I, I love to hear kind of what is God doing in your prayer, like in the present day? Like what, what's, what's God been speaking to you in prayer? I think the biggest thing for me right now has been the importance of the recognition of spiritual warfare in, in our families. So I have been praying these binding prayers over my family lately that I find have been incredibly powerful because I'm, I'm challenged with the fact that God has placed me in authority, spiritual authority over the spiritual well-being of my family. And even though my kids are adults now, they've moved on, they're, they're living their own lives. I still, as, as their dad, have that mandate from God to, to pray for them. So I've been praying these binding prayers every day from, for them, and it's, it's been powerful. 
<laughs> I love that. That's that's a great way to start this show. Like, hey, what's God doing? Well, I'm in the name of Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> casting demons out of my children. So yeah, you, for, yeah, man, we're crazy for, out here. <laughs> yeah. So for maybe someone who's like, oh, okay, that's new. I have not prayed binding prayers over my children um, before. What what does that mean? What is a binding prayer? I'm going to read it to you. And, I'm going to read it to you right what now, does it just mean? so you know yeah. what it is. Okay, because that's one of those things that can sound like goofy to people. Oh yeah, um, for sure. You're like, what? is that but yeah who is this guy okay so here here's what it is here's the binding prayer that i that i pray um and it's it's you know it's it's hardcore man it's 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 awesome so you pray and this is designed by the way this is designed for the laity okay i'm not just some rogue guy that figured this out right this was uh, like father ripager he's the one who put these out and and he said as the for the laity this is what you're supposed to do so spirit of name so whatever whatever spirit you're looking to bind I bind you in the name of Jesus by the power of the most precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, St. Michael the Archangel, the Blessed Apostles, Peter and Paul, and all of the saints. And I command you to leave, and then you name the person, and go to the foot of the Holy Cross to receive your sentence in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Boom. That's, That's it. All. It's like a nuclear <laughs> bomb spiritually yeah. going off, protecting those that have been placed under your 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 uh, authority as, you know, as the father. And it, what's interesting is you can pray that prayer over your children. A, a husband can pray that prayer over his wife and a wife can pray that prayer over her husband, too, um, because yeah. she has that authority. And when I say authority, I don't mean authority over her husband. But I mean, like in the spiritual realm, she, you know, husband and wife are one. There's mutual submission there. And that's that's her role as well to stand in the gap as an intercessor of prayer there too. So yeah, absolutely powerful I mean, stuff. I, I love St. Paul, like the way he describes the power and authority we have is just unreal. Like he he says he says the same power that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in us. So Jesus's authority and victory, the the spirit that rose him from the dead lives in me as a temple of the Holy Spirit. And they and he also he, he says that we have divine power to demolish strongholds. And so many uh um Maybe of our listeners that we, we have friends and family members, maybe even children who they do, they have these strongholds. And what's a stronghold? It's, it's a, a consistent and persistent lie or a consistent and persistent sin, right? And if yeah. there's been this consistent and persistent lie or sin or, or struggle in their life, the Lord wants us to know that yet yeah, through prayer ministry, we have divine power to demolish that. And I love the, the, I love the prayer that you prayed because it was, it was prayed authoritatively. And I think sometimes like we're, we're like, God, if you will this, we pray that you would do this. And it's like, of course he wills that someone would be set free from anxiety. Of course he wills that someone would be set free from addiction. Of course he wills that someone would be set free from, uh, consistent and persistent lies. And so we can pray with authority that I'm in union with God's will and I'm attacking the stronghold, the spiritual reality that is, uh, is attacking my child. I, I love it. Great. And now uh, tell us a little bit about your family. You have how many kids that you said they're older. What's, what's the story yeah. there? So before I do that, I just want to throw one more thing out about that. Acts yeah. chapter 19 verse 15, right? What we hear the voice of a demon in the, in the recording of the scripture. And here's what the demon said. The evil spirit answered them. And who's the them, the son, the, the sons of Sceva that are trying to cast out demons and they can't do it. Yeah. The evil spirit says, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know, but who are you? Right. <laughs> who are you now? Yeah. That's powerful. 
Because if you yeah. want to really see God moving in your life and in your family, you've got to make a name for yourself in hell, my friends. Okay. Yeah. We, all, we all try to make a name for ourselves in, on earth. Oh, I hope people will be influenced by me or whatever. Or even in heaven, we're like, okay, I want to, you know, um, be among the saints. Yes. But when you really get down to it, you want to be known by the demons. You want them to, to fear you because it's just like, we know who Jesus is. We know who Paul is. Yeah. That's why Paul was able to cast them out. Jesus obviously able to cast them out, but these other people, they didn't have that power, right? They didn't have that because yep. their lives weren't, weren't transformed by the power of the Holy spirit. So we have to remember that when we engage the, the, the spiritual realms through these prayers and through living our lives for Christ. Yes. Boom. They will, they will know us and they will, they will have to respond because that's the authority yeah. that we have. All right. So I, I love that. No, Keith, I think sometimes too, like people, uh, like you're a pretty intense dude, right? And I'm a pretty intense guy. And a lot of times the people who are really into spiritual warfare, uh, they, they often have very intense personalities. And I think sometimes we can actually confuse spiritual warfare with an intense personality right and it's oh, like yeah no you're you're not powerful, Keith, because you have an intense personality, right? And you speak with like an authoritative voice. You're, you're powerful because God lives in you and, and you're a son of God. And the, I think sometimes, like, I mean, I think of Mother Teresa, like, you, like she had a name for herself in hell, right? Like the she demons did. feared her. They were terrified um, of her. Even though she was, she was quiet and, and, and if you will, broken and, and small. Um, it's not the power of our voice that gives us authority. It's, it's the power of our love with the father and the relationship we have with him and the knowledge of the spirit alive in us that gives us authority. And I think, um, that's a, it's an interesting reality that I think a lot of our, uh, Catholics don't actually believe that they, they, they look at themselves when they think of a power and authority as opposed to the living God, right? Like I'm strong, not because I'm strong. I'm strong because of who I've been transformed into through Christ. Well, when we're weak, he is strong. See, his, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And that's the thing that, that we still struggle with because even in, in the realm of Catholicism, especially when dealing with issues around masculinity and manhood, there's this push to be like a powerful, strong man. And yeah. we, we have to find out what that means, because if we think that being a powerful, strong man of faith means that you are able to physically dominate people, okay, fine. But what really defines your strength is your humility and the, the openness and availability that God has to work in and through you. That's what defines your strength. Now, here's the thing. If you have that strength from a spiritual perspective, that's going to spill over into other areas of your life. You're not going to be this powerful man of God, but yet be like, um, you know, a doormat to the world. You will yeah, be able exactly. to stand your ground. You will be able because, because Jesus Christ does not enter or does not enter into this, this dialogue with Pilate and try to defend himself. He says, yeah. look, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would take up weapons. They'd fight for me. Basically, what Jesus is saying is my kingdom is more powerful than your kingdom, but it doesn't work like your kingdom. Yeah. So I can submit to you and it looks like I'm being weak, but the reality is I'm stronger than you can ever understand. And we yeah, have absolutely. to remember that our strength isn't in our ability to dominate and coerce and control. It's in our ability to be used by the Holy Spirit of God to do what God wants to do in us. Yeah. Well, and I think I, I love how you said, like, 
if, if I know what's in me, it's going to come out in all facets of my life. And I think that, um, uh, when we know who we are, we, we have confidence and we have confidence when we speak, we have confidence when we minister, we have confidence in relationship with other people. And there's no, there's no shy people in heaven, right? There's no timid people in heaven, right? Because, uh, the, it, it went, when I, I'm fully who I am as a son or a daughter of God, uh, I, I have confidence and that timidity disappears. And I think sometimes, you know, um, and I, I just want to speak to our, our listeners. If there's, if there's a spirit of timidity in you, the Lord wants to defeat that. He wants, he wants to have victory over that. He has not given us a spirit of timidity, but one of power, love and self control. And when we come in union with him, we can actually have confidence in all of our relationships. We can have power and love, self control. And I think that's something I'm just recognizing in you, Keith, like you, you, you're living with confidence. You're living knowing who you are as his son. And, and because you know that it, it's projected into all aspects of your life, which is a, a, a great grace. Well, that's, I mean, that's the goal, you know, that's the goal. We all struggle with that. We all find ourselves pulled into, you know, different desires to be approved of or to be recognized or to be respected by the world. But the, the, the key is to remember that we live our life for Christ. We live our life and and he's the only one that matters. You know, St. Yeah. Paul says, I don't even judge myself. You know, I don't care what the world says about me. I don't even care what I say about me. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> yep. It only matters what God says about us. And when yep. we truly believe that, that will impact how we live our lives. Amen. All right. I'm curious. What's with the guitar in the background? Oh. Do you, do you shred the, the, <laughs> well, the strings? What do you even say? I don't know enough about guitar to come up with a cool phrase. So I, I am a, I am a musician. Um, you yeah. know, you, you're seeing just a little sliver, but my, my little home office slash studio, or whatever down here is basically in my music room. So I've got drums, guitars, all that kind of stuff. Nice. I, so nice. I grew up like that was my thing. Like I wanted to be, you know, I was a musician. Um, my main instrument is the drums actually, but I do play nice. guitar and stuff like that. But so this is this room that I'm in now sort of has infringed upon my musical space. <laughs> That's awesome. So what is your current mission? How would you define yeah. like what God has you doing today? And then after that, I, we'll jump into kind of your, your story, your testimony, how you came sure, to your sure. so, conversion okay. in Christ Jesus. My, my current mission really ultimately revolves around, around a couple of different things. The, the overall arcing vision. So I run a ministry called down to earth. And, and the idea is this down to earth. It's a teaching ministry that helps to communicate the truths of the Catholic faith in a clear, impactful and engaging manner. And we do that in three different ways. We have an online uh, ministry. We have a, a ministry of writing. So books and then speaking in person type event type things. And the way that that fleshes out really is through a lot of different content and things that, that I create. So for example, I have a monthly podcast called Catholic Feedback that uh, connects the eternal truths of the Catholic faith to everyday life. So that's more of like a topical thing. Um, yep. I have a weekly Bible study called Unpacking the Mass, where we do a little study through the upcoming week's mass readings. And that's every week. I do a daily live stream rosary um, called the Rosary Crew that has been happening since March 18th of 2020. We've been praying the Rosary online every single day. And, um, then I make other videos related to the faith. And then we have the, you know, the, we have my second book, which just came out, which we'll talk about here in a minute. And then I travel around, do parish missions. But my, my thing, my ministry is really about helping people that are Catholic 
get fired up about their faith and helping people who are wanting to become Catholic make that transition. So my first book is called The Convert's Guide to Roman Catholicism, Your First Year in the Church. And it's a book that is designed to help those who are on that journey into the faith. It's not an apologetics book to convince you to become Catholic. And it's not like a theological manifesto. This is a book written to help people who have said, okay, I'm doing this. What's it going to be like? Um, yeah. There's no other book like got, it out there. I, I mean, I, I love that because I, ah, man, it, one of the biggest hurdles, I think, for so many Protestant ministers, especially, is that, well, if I if I convert, what do I do? Because I have this whole flock. I've got a whole ministry. And now all of a sudden, like, uh, I don't know how to actually even transition into the missional life of the Catholic church. And it's got a, it's a huge hang up. I would say that, that the, the teaching of the church for so many Protestants who are hungry for truth, they find themselves becoming more and more Catholic. And and they're like, Oh no, that's what happened to me. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. What do I do about this? All right. So that's amazing. That's, a, that's an incredible mission. I love how articulate you are with it and, um, how, uh, just you're, you, you're doing what's best for the people of God, uh, and what you feel called to do is the Keith, what is, how did you first fall in? So spoiler alert, you kind of yeah. shared, you, you converted from Protestantism to Catholicism. Can yeah. you share kind of how you first fell in love with Jesus? Oh yeah, sure. So my dad's a pastor. I grew up going to church. So, nice. um, but for me, I would say I fell in love with Jesus when I was about 10 or 11 years old, going to church camp, you know, I know a thing or two about church camp. I know church <laughs> camp was my jam. Like, so I grew up, I grew up in the church, but like when I went to church camp, I just was totally transformed by that experience of getting away from my normal life, going to this place where it was all devoted to learning about and following Jesus. And that became a huge part of who I was. So at, at 10, 11 years old, I gave my life to Jesus at church camp. And then every summer I would be there all summer, most of the time. And then I, you know, yeah. worked in camping ministry for most of my, most of my career in, in ministry, I was heavily involved in running camps and doing that kind of stuff. So, so for me, that's yeah. where I fell in love with Jesus initially. That's amazing. And so what, what camp association was it with? Were you, was it just your parish camp or was it, what, what different camps did you work with? Yeah. So, you know, my, I grew up in United Methodist church. My dad was a United Methodist pastor. So the camp that I went to began as a United Methodist camp. Um, mm-hmm. but what happened was over time, our just straight down the middle evangelical Christ centered perspective began to, uh, create a lot of tension with our denomination. And eventually we broke away from the, from the Methodist denomination, the camp that we were running collectively. There's a bunch of us that, that worked on this camp. Now we were all Methodists, but the, the, the Methodist denomination was imposing things on us and trying to control us. So we just finally said, look, we've got 500 kids coming to this camp every, every summer. You know, we just do a one week deal. Um, we don't, we don't, we, we'll just break away. So we broke away and started doing our own thing, but that's, that was the affiliation at first. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about your dad. What was it like growing up with a pastor as a dad? Well, my dad is, uh, he's an awesome man. He's, a, he's an incredible preacher. He's been a pastor, you know, he's retired now, but, um, you know, he, he's just a great guy. He's, he's super smart. He's like got a doctor of ministry and he loves the intellectual side of things, but he's also a very, um, you know, he's a practical person too. And he can, he can, he can help you in your life grow in your faith. So I, I mean, I, I love my dad. Um, even though I'm Catholic now and obviously he's not, but, um, 
he's just a great guy and, yeah, and loves the Lord. He, you have those stories, you know, and maybe they're more stories or maybe they're, they're built on reality, um, of like the pastor's kid that, yeah. uh, kind of rebels against the faith and it doesn't, you know, doesn't get into what their, what, what their father's trying to pass on to them. How was that for you growing up as the pastor's kid? Why do you yeah. think the faith took for you as opposed to bitterness and, uh, frustration? Well, it's interesting because I, I as the pastor's kid, I, I was, pretty wild. Um, I was pretty, I don't know, like I didn't quite gel with church as much when yeah. I was growing up, but I loved Jesus. So I had that going on. I never really got into the whole <laughs> like drugs and alcohol and rebellion thing as a teenager, but I was heavily into music. So like, if you looked at me, you wouldn't have thought, Oh, Keith's a youth group kid. Like I never went to youth group. I, you know, I did listen to some Christian music when I was, when I was younger. Um, but I was into like, hardcore music and, and extreme metal and stuff like that. So I did that. Um, but I, I always loved Jesus at the same time. So in my inward heart, I had this, this desire for faith, but I wasn't like your typical stereotypical PK youth group kid. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I, I, that's, uh, in high school, I was kind of a punk rocker as well as, uh, yeah. and the, you know, I actually was terrible at music, but I loved going to concerts and oh, I bought sure. in like hook, line and sinker into the whole punk culture. So like wearing the, the studs on your wrist and like, bike chains on my neck. I had like oh, man. plaid pants and chains <laughs> all over. I was kind of, uh, and, and so a lot of the formality of religion as well, I was like, Oh, I don't like that. But I was obsessed with Jesus. I, yeah. I, I love the Lord and I love scripture. And it was funny because all of my Protestant friends were, were like, they spoke Jesus's name, but none of my Catholic friends spoke his name. And for me, I was right. kind of like, Oh, like I was probably in high school. I remember telling my mom, you know, when I graduated, I'm going to leave the Catholic church, uh, because wow. I don't, I don't see a fire in, in the Catholicism and I don't see anyone who loves Jesus and Catholicism. I want to be with those who love the Lord. And yeah, of course, my, you know, my mom in tears is like, no, don't leave. <laughs> and, uh, but it, I, I think there's a lot of similarities probably between you and I in that time period, even though we were on totally different paths. When, yeah, when you were a, when you were at camp, uh, and, and running camps, what was the fruit that you saw happening in kids' lives? Oh man, our, we had a very clear mission at our camp and most of the people that came to our camp were church kids. Okay. Yeah. And our mission was to introduce them to Jesus because yeah. we, we had this experience of going to church, but the kids not really having that opportunity to, to make their own decision to follow him. <clears throat> so that's what we said we are here to do. Our mission at this camp is to introduce people to Jesus and give them an opportunity to follow him personally. Yeah. Amen. And that's exactly like, it's, it's amazing to me how many young people come to our summer camp and they, um, they, they're around, they're surrounded by the form of religion, but they have no yeah. relationship and they, 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 they have a concept of God, but they, you know, they, it, I think one of the reasons, um, I think one of the reasons we don't use Jesus's name is because we don't know him, right? Like, yeah. uh, if I know a person, I use their name and, uh, and so that introduction to who he is, how to hear his voice, how to recognize him in the Eucharist, how to find him in the mass. It's, it's, it's like lights are going off and, mm. uh, giving the young, young people that first introduction, as you said, to Jesus and, and that to give them that opportunity to say, Hey, I'm, I'm giving you my life. And I think, 
you know, as Catholics, sometimes we even, we can shy away from that because it's like, okay, yes, sacramentally, your life was given over to Jesus at your baptism. Mm -hmm. We understand that reality, right? Um, but there's also the very practical, like, reality that I have to give him my life today concretely and i have to give him my life tomorrow concretely that i want to give jesus my the my life all of my life for the rest of my life and truly for the rest of my life i'm learning how to give him all of my life and it's yeah. that it's that process of surrender 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 encounter 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 what when you gave him your life as a 10 or 11 year old what you're so young and this is fun for me cuz you know we do ministry for you know, seven, 8,000 young people who come to our summer camps in the summer. And it's all these kids. Um, uh, you see these 10 and 11 year olds giving their life over to yeah. Jesus in a very significant manner. What, what was that like for you? Can you remember what wow. was the experience? What was like, what was going through your mind as this sixth grader? I remember it like it was yesterday and it felt so real to me. And I just felt the love of God reaching out to me in the most powerful way. And it was like, since that moment, I've never like doubted the existence of God. I've, I've always walked with him in one way or another. And mm. I just remember feeling it, it like encompassed every aspect of who I, of who I was and who I am. It wasn't like, okay, I just kind of, now I know the right thing to believe about Jesus. It was like at that moment, it just washed over me. And, yeah. and I was like, okay, I'm a Christian. I belong to Jesus now. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It, it sounds like it was an emotional experience as well. Big correct? time. Big time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think sometimes we're afraid of emotion and ministry. And it's like, wait, no, like if we want to love God, love, of course, is a choice, but it's also an emotion. Like I didn't, I didn't. I didn't study my way into my marriage. You know, I right. fell in love with my wife and it was that those moments of love and tenderness. Oh, they, they allow you to live in that life of commitment. And I think there's something so powerful about a young person having that experience of, of love for Jesus and, and being loved by Jesus. And I like to say, uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit is just a tangible experience of the Father's love that when, when the father's love becomes real to me, whether that's through peace, whether that's through joy, whether that's through healing, forgiveness, whatever it is, mercy, what, when his love becomes real and tangible, I experience this baptism of the Holy Spirit that changes everything. Um, Keith, do you want to share a little bit about your journey into the Catholic faith? Sure. So, you know, I became involved in, in ministry when I was like 20 years old. Um, I became a yeah. youth pastor in a Methodist church because one of my one of my friends from church camp who was a pastor tracked me down. I was living in Philadelphia. I was playing drums in a band, and they needed a youth pastor at their church. And through that ex through that network that we had through the camping world, you know, he was like, "Oh, what about Keith Nestor?" So he called me up and offered offered me um, an opportunity to interview in his church. So I I was freaking out. I didn't really want to do it, but I felt the Lord called me to it. So I went and I became. Long story short. I became a youth pastor in this, in this Methodist church when I was 20 years old, started this little youth group with like 12 kids. Well, within about three years, that little 12 group kid, youth group kid, uh, youth group, 12 kid youth group, sorry, blew yeah. up to like <laughs> 250, 300 kids every Wednesday night in a yep. church of about 250. So we're this little neighborhood church, you know, and all of a sudden all these teenagers are just showing up and this, this ministry is exploding. 
Yeah. And it like literally changed our city. It was incredible. And I, and at the time I was like, what? This is awesome. I'm like, this is what I'm here to do in the world. Yeah. I loved it. And I was trying to make it as legit and cool as I could to the, to the culture, you know, to the kids. This is back in like 1998 ish. You know, 97, oh, 98. It's a wow. long time ago. You know, yeah. I haven't experienced 90s youth group. I bet that was amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the 90s youth group culture, 90s, early 2000s youth group culture. Like that's what we were, man. We had all of it rocking. <laughs> we had the praise and worship band. We had the logos. We had all the things, right? We went to Cornerstone. All we went to Acquire Fire. Things. We did all the stuff, right? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, I mean, I was, I went to Saddleback to be trained by Doug Fields, Purpose Driven nice. Youth Ministry, all of that, right? Uh-huh. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm that guy. I'm in the mix, midst of that. Yeah. And I was like, I need a youth group for this ministry. So I, I was looking for a graphic designer, which is how I found Devin Shad. You know, we talked about Devin because he was a graphic designer in our city and someone gave me his number. So I called him up, talked to him, told him who I was, what I was doing. And he, he sounded interested and he said he would throw some stuff together. So he invited me over to his house to look at some ideas. And when I went over to his house, um, you know, I go up to his house. He's got statues on the steps and I, I, knocked on the door and he, he brought me into his home and it looked like it looked like I was in the Sistine Chapel. He's got icons and images <laughs> and statues. And I was like, where am I? And yeah, but he was <laughs> talking about you? Jesus as we yeah. talked about it. He was, he was like, tell me about your ministry. He was excited about it. And it mm. became clear to me he had a faith. So I remember thinking to myself, well, okay, if this guy loves Jesus, then, you know, there's a disconnect here with this Catholic stuff. Yeah. So I asked him, you sound like a guy who loves Jesus. He's like, yeah. So what's with all this Catholic stuff? Is this like your grandma's or is this your, you know? And he's like, oh, I I love Jesus because I'm Catholic. And I was like, what? (laughs) Come on, dude. So then the next thought I had was, well, then I'll convert him in about five minutes. Because that's usually about how long it took me to convert Catholics. And then he'll be a volunteer in my youth ministry. Oh, yeah. 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 So so we start talking. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to be like shooting fish in a barrel because most of the people as our little, little church started to grow because of our youth group, our church like grew to like a thousand people a week Yeah, because our yeah, youth yeah. ministry is blowing up. These kids are bringing their parents yeah. and they're bringing. And so it's like everyone's showing up at our church. And so we meet with these people and most of them were Catholics who were joining our <laughs> church. They're like, Oh, well the Catholic church is lame. We hear about Jesus. We're coming here. So to me, well, I had this Catholic church youth ministry is lame. So the kids are going to your church. That's for what it. was yeah. going on. Like, so that's, what these, I, that's what I was doing too. Yeah. As a high schooler, I couldn't find, I couldn't find a Catholic youth group that was really talking about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. So that's what was happening. So for me, like that's what I expected, but Devin was different. You know, he had this passionate faith for Jesus. And when I started asking him questions, he had answers. One of the questions mm-hmm. I asked him, Dan was, well, do you know Jesus personally? Do you have a relationship with him? Who is he to you? When were you saved? And most Catholics would be like, uh, I don't know. We don't do that. We're Catholics. We're not born again. We're Catholics. We don't, yeah. you know, I don't know anything about that. That's Protestant. We're just Catholic. He wasn't like that. He was yeah. like, let me tell you. And he gave me his testimony. He told me about Jesus. He had a powerful faith. He knew the Bible. I was blown away, man. I'm like, who are you? Yep. Then he started yep. asking me questions, right? About well, <laughs> oh, no. the Eucharist, solo scripture, and and long story short, that relationship was was used by God to open my eyes to the truth of the Catholic faith, right? So over the course of many many years, I will tell you, many many years and experiences and conversations and ups and downs and 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 lots of 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 heartache and failure and pain, but also lots of times of love and 
and acceptance and invitation, you know, I began to have my eyes open to the truth of the Catholic faith. And in 2017, I was faced with this decision. I knew that my denomination that I had been serving for so many years was going completely off the rails in terms of Mm. theology and faith. And I knew I couldn't stay where I was. And I had been in a few other denominations in the course of my, my life. And I knew that the answer wasn't just another Protestant denomination because I began to see God's plan for the church. And I began to see these things that were taught in the, in the church fathers and in the scriptures. And, and I began to understand these things because I'd been around enough Catholics that knew their faith. And then it just became an issue of whether or not I had the courage to actually follow through with it. Yeah. Wow. That's a whole nother conversion. So I like had three conversions. I had the conversion (laughs) to Christ. I had the conversion to believing that Catholicism was true. But then I had the conversion of, okay, Keith, you believe this is the truth. For you to become Catholic, you have to quit your job, your career of 22 years. You're going to blow up your whole life. Will you do it? And that was really, honestly, that was the toughest thing. Because yeah. when guys are in ministry, you know, you believe that's what you've been put on this earth to do. And you know, to become Catholic means that you're setting that aside. You're laying that down. It's your identity, you know, and it's like, what yeah. am I going to do? And I, I just got to a place where I knew that this was the truth. Jesus Christ was truly present in the Eucharist and the Catholic church was the church founded by Christ. I became convinced of that. And then I had to get to a place where that's the only thing that mattered to me anymore. And if I had to be a, like a greeter at a grocery store or lose everything I had, lose every one that I have, if that meant that I could be in Jesus' church and receive him in the sacrament, that had to be worth it for anything to, 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 to be in front of that was a line around the obedience that God was asking me to, to follow him into. And I finally got to a place where I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't not become Catholic. So in 2017, I quit my job in the church and told my wife, I said, Hey, uh, you know, I've got to become a Catholic. And we just walked into that. And man, it was, it it was crazy. Yeah. Dang. That's insane. I just, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing. And if, 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 if you're listening, uh, it's, it's funny because I didn't know Devin was a part of your conversion story. And we just, we just interviewed Devin Shaw uh, about four weeks ago in the podcast. So listeners, you could Go back a few weeks and, and check out that episode. He's, he's a spiritual giant as well. And, um, but I, I love that it was the relationship with him and the friendship with him that, that really brought you here to this place is, um, so I have such a missional heart, right? And if I were, uh, I feel like the struggle must have part of the struggle must have been, okay, but I'm ministering to so many people and I'm doing so much good in this Protestant church. Yeah. And all of these people are coming into relationship with Jesus. Um, I don't, I don't know how I can do ministry in the Catholic church. What was that process like? How did you, with the Lord, how did you yeah. come to understand that it, it is better that you come to the truth of Catholicism and for the sacraments? It sounds like was a big motivational factor for you. Meanwhile, you're, if you will, leaving the flock that you have over here yeah, in ministry. That was, that was by far the toughest part because I love those people. And the local church I was serving as a part of, when I became Catholic, I was an associate pastor. I met this church. I was in charge of youth missions. Um, so I was going to Haiti twice or three times a year to lead people. Like We had a thriving, powerful ministry that I loved. And it was hard to like wrap my mind around 
does following Jesus into Catholicism, it's going to take me away from this ministry. But what I had to do ultimately was trust God with that and to recognize that my ministry is not about necessarily what I do for a job or even my role in this particular church. I have to trust God with how he's going to handle that. And I remember when I came into the Catholic church feeling like this is going to be really hard. But when I, it was like, when I let that go, I didn't, I, I was like totally okay. And I remember my priest said to me, he said, Keith, a lot of people because of your background are going to try to get you to do like ministry in the Catholic church. He said, don't even think about that. He says, as a matter of fact, I want you to take one year and don't do anything like that at all. Just be Catholic. So for me, and that was, that was awesome. Like I didn't, I didn't come out of my Protestant ministry into the Catholic church with an agenda of, okay, how am I going to be in ministry? What am I going to do? I'm going to write a book. I'm going to have a podcast. So many converts I talk to, that's what they do. They're like, okay, I want to go into the Catholic church. I'm in ministry as a Protestant. So therefore I have to be in ministry like vocationally or whatever as a Catholic. No, you don't have to do that. Now, God may call you into that eventually, but he might not. Are you okay either way? So I had to say, God, I'm not going to have any strings attached to this experience. And that was the key because too many times we want to follow God into obedience if we agree and if we can understand what's going to happen. And I certainly lived in that place for a while. That was a part of my, my hang up initially was God. Like I want to become Catholic, but you need to make a way. And I, I remember having this powerful experience with Jesus in, in a mass after I went up to receive um, my blessing, you know, going to a mass. And I, I knelt down in front of the crucifix and I said, Lord, I'll become Catholic if you want to make me Catholic. But you've got to make a way like there's got to be a way for this to happen. How's it all going to come together? And one of the most clearest times I've ever heard the voice of God in my life, Dan, from the crucifix, Jesus said to me, I am the way the truth and the life. You don't <laughs> need me to make a way. You just need me. And mm, then it all amen. clicked. It's like, okay, if we come into our faith life, regardless of where we are with this idea of what it has to look like, and we don't just completely give that over to God, we're going to, we're going to be messed up. So for me, mm-hmm. like when I, when I came into Catholicism, I had zero expectations of what I was going to do. I was like, as a matter of fact, I was the other way. People would say, Hey, Keith, will you do this? And, you know, I did like one thing for a friend of mine at his church that, that winter. Um, but I didn't do anything. Like I went to, I went to mass. I was unknown in my parish other than the few guys that I hung out with at the bent at our men's group on Tuesday morning and my priest. But I didn't like go in there like, Hey, I'm a former pastor. What can I do to whatever? I had like, I just wanted to be Catholic and that was enough. And that was awesome. It was amazing. And I loved just going to mass and stepping into that and learning about it and experiencing it. It fed my soul so powerfully. And I was like loving life. You know, it was my wife, man. She like later, like, I don't know, six or seven months later, she's like, all right, Keith, when is it, when are you going to start doing stuff? And I'm like, no, nope, <laughs> don't go there. And, and I honestly thought I was done. I'm like, no, I'm not doing yeah. that anymore. That's not what I, that's not who I am anymore. I just want to be a dude who goes to church and loves Jesus. And I want to be a good church member. I want to be a good Catholic. That was my goal in life. What's your goal in life, Keith? What are you going to do for, who cares? I just want to be a good Catholic. Like that was my mission in life. And eventually, you know, God brought this back around in a way that was 100% 
his doing and his will. I didn't like orchestrate this and try to like come up with some plan. We got there eventually, but that wasn't my doing. You know, I just wanted to step into this. So I didn't have this, like my missional outlook, you know, you asked about mission. My missional outlook was to be a good Catholic man, to be a good Catholic husband, to be a good Catholic father, you know, to father these three teenage kids who didn't want to become Catholic, who were confused, who were upset and, and grieving to be a good Catholic husband to a wife who was, was grieving as well. And now her family split apart because of this. And it was a lot, but what did it mean for me to be a faithful Catholic in that? That was all I could deal with at the time, you know? So yeah, my missional outlook wasn't like this strategic ministry centered thing. It was just live the gospel, live the Catholic faith and be devoted and joyful and, and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I think, um, what is, I think your story actually can connect with a lot of different men, even if they are Catholic and they're not leaving, <laughs> you know, it's not, yeah. even if it's not a conversion story, it's this idea of this, this conversion to courage as, as you kind of talk about it. it I think so often God calls us to do something and we're yeah. afraid because to do it would cost us too much. And, Amen. um, well, I guess the very practical question is you had a source of income mm -hmm. that you left and, sure and to, to do this. So if, if the pastor's telling you or whoever's giving you this advice of like, well, the first year don't do anything like, okay, but I still need to make income to raise my family. So like, right. what's the, what is the reality of, uh, that? how did God provide for you in that transitional time financially? If, if you're willing to share this, cause I sure, think it's absolutely. an important part that I think finances usually are one of the big things that keep us from taking that step out of the boat when God asks us to do something. Okay. Well, this is super important. If there's any converts that are, or anybody that's a pastor that's converting into the Catholic faith and you're like, okay, well, how am I going to support my family? What do I do about my ministry? Whatever. Here's the answer. Do whatever you have to do. Okay. But don't expect that you're going to have money as a Catholic, right? That's not going to happen. <laughs> people, people are like, Oh, just call the coming home network. They give bags of money to converts. No, they don't. Right. They, they give great <laughs> advice. They give great support. They give great, um, you know, they have a whole ministry and they really help me, <clears throat> but they pray. <laughs> they pray, but they, there's, you're, you're not, don't put your eggs in that basket. Okay. Yes. You will have to go get a secular job. You are going to have to figure out a way to feed your family. You're going to have to put your pride down. You have to sacrifice that. And you're probably not going to make as much money. I lost like 70% of my income. So my wife and I, we had a photography business and that was her full-time gig. And that was kind of like my side hustle from ministry. I would help her with that. When, when I quit my job in the church, I just went to work in our business. And like I said, we lost like 70% of our income at that moment. And it was a sacrifice and it was hard, but God got us through, you know, we worked really hard. And then eventually I took a second job. So I had two jobs. I was working all the time. I was, I was sweating and struggling and all of those things. But at the same time, I was happier than I'd ever been because I was in, I was exactly where God wanted me to be in his church. So here's the yep. thing. Yes. Those practical realities are there, but you need to be so in love with Jesus and so trusting of him that you're willing to do whatever it takes. The early Christians were willing to be martyred for their faith rather than to pinch incense to, to the pagan gods of Rome. People are dying every day for their faith all across the world. We can't be like those servants who put their hand to the plow and look back. We can't be like those people who say, okay, Jesus, I want to follow you, but 
how much am I going to get paid? What's going to happen yeah, here? Exactly. Is it going to work yeah. out? Don't worry about it. Jesus says, yep. don't worry about those things. Follow him. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's one thing to preach that in a sermon. It's another thing to actually live it. And yeah. I'm telling you, you, you have to be willing. So whenever someone pr presents this picture to me of what could happen negatively in their life if they become Catholic, I say, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you just to imagine that's exactly what will happen to you. Whatever the worst case scenario from a worldly perspective is that could happen to you if you become Catholic, just accept that right now and say, yes, that's going to happen. And then convert anyway. Can you do yeah. that? If you can't, yeah. then you're not ready. Amen. I, it, and I, I just want to stress, it's not just about if you're converting to Catholicism. That is that is ultimately the call of discipleship, what you're describing. It here. is. So like, that's the it, thing. Yes, for every, yeah, that's, that's for every level of, I'm sorry, I'm interrupting you, but I'm fired up. That's, and that's part of my miss, my, my message in my ministry, Dan, is look, this whole Protestant to Catholicism conversion thing, that's novel and exciting and people think it's cool. But the reality is this. We are all called to a conversion. It's just a question of where are we starting from? And yep. just because you're Catholic doesn't mean that God's not calling you to conversion, to a deeper level of discipleship. Too many times people hear conversion stories like mine. They go, cool, look at everything Keith did to get here. Well, I'm already there, so I'm good, right? No, yep. no. What's God calling yeah. you? He's calling you to a deeper level of discipleship, a deeper level of sacrifice, and you have to be willing to do it. That's the, that's the Catholic spirituality lived out to the max, and that's what you have to – that's what we see the saints doing. That's what we're all called to do. So he might yeah. not call you to switch jobs or to switch, you know, like in my case, professions or, or, or religions or whatever, but he's going to call you to something just as, 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 uh, as tough. Are you going to yeah. do it? Right. That's a, that's a well, conversation I, for all of us. I mean, just, we look at the, the, the scriptures and the disciples were not celibates. Uh, and so Jesus calls the 12 and they literally at the moment of their conversion or the moment of the call before they have any of the answers, they don't have, they don't have the Eucharist. They don't have the, the confidence. Like they don't know about the resurrection. They don't know about the gift of the whole, the Holy Spirit. Right. But they, they encounter Jesus. And they hear this invitation to come follow me and they, they drop their nets. They leave yeah. their job. And you know, like the Andrew and Peter probably used the fish they caught that day to feed their kids at night. And, and yet they follow him with abandonment and trust, not knowing even where he's going, not knowing even if he is the Messiah. And, uh, I think that. Every single one of us has to see Christianity from that lens that I, when, when it, my life is redefined when I come to know Jesus, everything about my life. And, and, and I need to look at the, my, the purpose of my life is not to advance my comfort kingdom. The purpose That's of right. my life is not to quote, provide for my family. The purpose of my life, whether I'm celibate or married is to advance the kingdom of God. I exist for that purpose to Amen. advance his kingdom here on earth. And, and so then the question becomes, Jesus, how do you want me to advance the kingdom? And like, this does not mean every single person is supposed to quit their job and become a lay minister or quit their job and, and work in ministry because we need people who courageously advance the kingdom of God in every strata of humanity. We need business leaders to advance the kingdom of God there and to stop being cowards and not sharing the gospel. We need people to advance the kingdom of God and the healthcare systems again and education again and politics again and arts and entertainment that 
But my life has to come to this realization if I'm willing to lose something to advance his kingdom. And, and I think that, that conversion to courage, as you speak of, it applies to every single one of us. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, where, where have I allowed timidity to, to reign in my life as opposed to courage? He who loves his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the message of the gospel. And that's not just for the saints that you that you kind of look up to and go, wow, I could never be like that. You will be like that if you do that. That's the point. Yeah. That's for everybody. I have a. I have a dream someday. I want to start a, another nonprofit that is specifically designed for lay saints, like working on the cause of the canonization of lay saints. Cause oh, wow. I, I don't think there's not enough models. Like, I think that's the hard thing is we're, we're able to write off so quick. Well, of course, Padre Pio did that because yeah. he was a Franciscan friar. So he could do that. Of course, Mother Teresa did that. Of course, the so-and-so did it. And there's not enough models for people who, what does this look like as a married man? What does this look like as a married woman? How do I make courageous acts of faith and do bold and daring things for the sake of the kingdom um, in the context of the way of life God has called me to? And, and I think Amen. we just, man, the people are starved for 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 examples. I thank you for your example and for the boldness of your example, Keith. It's, it's a beautiful God. testimony. Thank yeah. you so much, my yeah. friend. Um, okay. So you, 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 you've written two books. You have this, uh, this new one that's out unlocking the mysteries of the rosary. It's, it's funny. I went to Catholic schools. Um, actually I've got, uh, from, you know, I, I was a 12th grader, uh, at Catholic school, like, you know, went through elementary school, high school as a 12th grader. When I found out that the rosary even had mysteries associated with it, I was like, wait, <laughs> why, why didn't anyone teach me this? <laughs> like, like the wow. I need, I did, I prayed the rosary growing up. I knew about the rosary, but no one ever taught there was actually mysteries associated with the rosary. Yeah. It's like, this is, this is a sign of that something needs to change in the church. Um, so share with us, what was your, like, why'd you come to fall in love with Our Lady and why'd you write this book? Well, I came to fall in love with Our Lady over a couple of interesting experiences. The, the, the main one I'll tell you about is when I was still in Protestant ministry, I was getting ready to preach a sermon. I was, I was discerning Catholicism. I was learning about it and, and engaging it. Um, and I, it came time for me to preach a, a sermon series in, around Advent. And I preached a, a series um, through Luke chapter one and Luke chapter two. And when I when I was preaching on the Annunciation, which we didn't call it that as Protestants, we just called it Luke One. Um, when I was, I'm in my office working on this sermon, and every time I would see her in the text or think about her, what I just begun to be overwhelmed with emotion. It's kind of like that first experience at church camp. I felt like I was at camp again. You know, it's like, oh my yeah. gosh, what's <laughs> going on? And I was telling people about it. You know, and it was like in that moment, she just became real to me. As mm. I was working and I preached a sermon that Sunday to my Methodist congregation about how Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. She's the new Eve. She's the woman of Revelation 12, Genesis 3:15. all of these things. I mean, I was quoting church. Five. I mean, I was basically like, you know, preaching Tim Staples, you know, <laughs> behold your mother and Scott Hans, hail Holy Queen. I was like, I was like yeah. doing that. I didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> so I had that experience. Well, when I became, when I was like preparing to be Catholic and I'm, I've already quit my job, I'm going through, I didn't go through RCIA. I went through like a private thing with my priest. I started praying the rosary and I was praying it by myself and it was pretty transformational for me. It took me a little while to get to, to get to that point, but I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I just, just did it, you know? Um, 
And then when the pandemic hit 2020, you know, our lives really were like everybody else's were thrown into complete chaos. Um, I had quit my jobs uh, February 27th of 2020 to go start doing ministry again full time because oh, no. after I had started engaging in ministry for that first year, my priest was like, don't do anything. Well, it's like everything was building up and then the floodgates opened after a little over a year after I was a Catholic. I'd written my first book. I was starting to travel and speak and things were coming together. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then COVID hit and everything just dropped off the face of the earth, right? So I was coming out of my church and I decided to do a live stream on my YouTube channel just to check in on how people were doing. It's like, hey, how's, how's everything going? And somebody in the live stream comments said, hey, Keith, can we pray the rosary on your YouTube channel tomorrow? And I'd never led the rosary before at that point in time, never done it terrified to do it. It's totally intimidated. I'll mess this up, you know? Um, <laughs> but I said, okay, we'll do that for, 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 uh, for tomorrow. So logged back in the next day and there were people. So we started praying the rosary, you know, and then we just kept doing it. And I said, okay, I'll do this until this pandemic is over, you know, two weeks, it's going to last. Right. Remember when they told us that two weeks to slow the spread yeah. and long story short, Dan, we're still doing it. Every day yeah. we have prayed the rosary on my YouTube channel. I actually started a separate YouTube channel called the Rosary Crew with Keith Nestor. So that's our, our prayer community is called the Rosary Crew. Well, um, now we're in 80 countries. We have thousands of people every day. This community is amazing. Um, we pray every day at 5 p.m. Central on the Rosary Crew with Keith Nestor YouTube channel. So as I'm praying the rosary, leading people, one of the things that was always turned, turned me off to the rosary and Catholicism before I was Catholic was seeing Catholics just sort of robotically, mechanically praying the rosary. And I was like, I'm not doing it that way. So one of the ways that I feel like you can um, set yourself up to pray with meaning and, and purpose is to really meditate on those mysteries. So I would yeah. just share like short reflections as we would prepare for each mystery, each decade. And people really resonated with that. There were, there were people that were like, whoa, these meditations are, are really helpful to me. And so as I began to do that, uh, it just became something that, and I don't prepare for it. I just can extemporaneously share what's going on, like with the, with each of the mysteries. Well, I got asked to give a talk on it. Um, and I was writing out my talk on the mysteries of the rosary. And I'm like, this is going to be a really, really long talk. And I thought <laughs> there's a lot would, of them. Yeah. This is kind of a crappy talk, but it would be a great book because yeah. <laughs> of the length of it. So then I just went away and I wrote this book. Um, called Unpacking the Mysteries of the Rosary. And it's really just my reflections on these each individual mysteries and on how entering into those mysteries will transform your life and help you to be connected and help Christ to transform you. And it just writing the book changed me. It was incredible. And yeah. so now, like, this has become like a super incredible tool for, for people as they are looking to up their prayer game to the next level, and especially with regards to the rosary. Yeah, that's so good. I love that. It, it's so funny because we, we almost, we talked about how kind of some of the struggles with Catholicism is how, la, uh, how so often it's not Christocentric, right? And yet everything about Catholicism is so Christocentric, Amen. like the mysteries of the rosary. Like we're literally clothing ourselves every day with the rosary, with the life of Christ. And like we're walking in his life. And, and yet so often the, the form of religion was, was not connected with its power hmm. as, yeah. as Paul talked about. Right. And 
I find ourselves, we find ourselves in, in this time period where I believe the power of the, the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the name of Jesus is starting to be, um, revealed in a deeper way in the tradition and the form of Catholicism. And we're going to see something, not just the rosary unpacked, the mysteries of the rosary unpacked. We're going to see Catholicism unpacked the more we discover the, 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 the father, who the father is, the more we discover Jesus, the son, and the more we discover, uh, Holy Spirit, right? That, that as we grow, as Catholics in relationship with the Father and the, and the Son and the Holy Spirit, there, there are powerful things that are going to happen in the church today. I think it's the most exciting time to be, uh, Catholic it, 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 because we're going to see God do things in our lifetime that's just going to blow our minds. What can you share? Um, maybe one of the, the, the greatest graces you've received from the rosary. Mm, man, I think, I think one of the greatest graces I've received from the rosary, um, and, and this this is going to sound a little bit weird because it's kind of not about like personal devotion or whatever. Is the community that that I have seen form around this prayer, right? I've never yeah. seen that before. And the community that we have as a result of entering into this journey, because the rosary is really a journey through the lives of of Jesus and His mother. I mean, it's 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 an it's an experience, and I I get to walk with that through some through all of the days of life with incredible people because we are so devoted to this prayer. So there's so many graces that have been unlocked in my life, but one of the ones I'm most thankful for is the community that I've, that I have seen form around this. It's incredible. Wow. wow. That's awesome. I love that. You know, I think, um, I think one of the graces I I've noticed in my own life when I was a young, uh, disciple and, in high school, I was really, really hungry to grow in relationship with Jesus. And I, I didn't know how to, um, I didn't know how to pray. I didn't, I didn't know how to really break into scripture and no one had ever taught me. And, um, I, uh, it was my senior year and I just started on the way home from high school stopping by this grotto. Uh, there's a retreat center on my way home and I'd stop by this grotto and I would just pray the rosary every day. And it was amazing because I, even at that time, I didn't know there's mysteries. I was oh, just, wow. I was just going through the form and, mm-hmm. um, but it was as, as if it, it gave God permission for me to get, uh, I gave like giving him time, uh, gave, the rosary unlocked his voice for me. I started to hear him speak to me and I couldn't hear him before and it unlocked his voice. And I think there's something so uh, accessible about the rosary that no matter where you are in your journey, anyone can pray the rosary. And then no matter how far you are on your journey, the rosary still like is, is still so powerful that there's, it's just as incredible as you speak about this community, it's so accessible to everyone. Amen. And yet at the same time, it's so fruitful for everyone that it's that the new converts and, and mature disciples can actually enter into this together and be blessed by it, which is some, something special about a, uh, a form of prayer. And I think we don't have a lot of forms. I mean, clearly we have the liturgy, but in this individualistic world, there is a hunger for communal prayer. And there's something so beautiful about the rosary as a form of communal prayer. No, oh, it's, it's cool. And, one of my favorite things about it is that it unites us. It unites people who otherwise would probably not be put together. I remember we had this, we have this um, 
thing in our bulletin was like, hey, every night of the week, there's a rosary gathering somewhere in our town or whatever. And I noticed one day right after I became Catholic that it was right down the street from my house. And I thought, cool. I don't know. I don't know who lives there. I don't know anything about it, but the address was there. So I just walked down the road at the appointed time. And this, this, you know, older woman answered the door and invited me in. And I was, you know, I mean, I'm me. And I walked in and everybody in there was considerably older than me, completely (laughs) different from me. Uh But yet we had this incredible time united together, praying the rosary. That would have never happened in any other church environment because people get segmented according to their interests or their life stage typically in, in churches. But when it comes time to pray the rosary, you can find yourself, you can, you can be with somebody who otherwise is completely different from you in every other way. But because you have this faith in common and this prayer in common, you are closer than anything that this world can create. And it's so awesome. Yeah. Amen to that. Um, that is really cool. I, I had a similar experience this weekend. My son and I went to a uh, a parish um, mass. It was a really tiny parish, and um, the uh, this you know we're, we got there early, like a half hour early. And my son's having a hard to. He's a middle schooler. He's having a hard time. He's wiggling. He's not yeah. he, like I, I noticed. He's not really entering into prayer. And I'm like, oh boy, this is gonna be a long half hour before mass and a long mass for him. And uh, then the sweet lady starts to pray the rosary for the for those who were there early. And immediately he's on his knees and he's entering in. And it was it was neat for me to see like, oh wow, that was actually so powerful for him. He was having a hard time doing individual prayer and mm-hmm. entering into individual prayer. And yet um, the community praying the rosary together, it brought him into a place of prayer and he was focused. And I think uh, it's just such a blessing. It's such a blessing. Can I ask a question, uh, sure. Keith? The, the, the In your book, do you unpack at all um, the fruits of each mystery? Absolutely. Uh, I certainly do. It's huge for me. Can you share... Can you share? Because this, I think this is something so few people know about the rosary, um, that each mystery has a fruit that's associated with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Why is that beneficial and why should we bring that into our devotion to the rosary? Well, when I was first learning to lead the rosary, that's just what I found. Uh, Somebody handed me or I found a website. It was was like um, this, I think this Dominican group that created this this online walkthrough rosary or whatever, these little pamphlets. And each mystery had a spiritual fruit. So I just went with that, the fruits that they they had. What I've learned is that other people use different ones. And that's okay because what a fruit is, it isn't like the pathway to holiness. The fruit is the specific thing that is the result of what happens when you enter into this mystery and meditate upon it. So, for example, right, like the, the fourth sorrowful mystery is the carrying of the cross. The spiritual fruit of that is the patient bearing of trials. So you don't say, all right, I got to be really patient in my trials so that way I can, you know, enter into Jesus' journey on the cross. No, that's not, that's backwards. You meditate on Christ's journey with the cross and because you unite your sufferings to his and his journey, you carry your cross, then what you realize is you become more patient. You become more like him. See, the fruit is the result of what takes place, but it's, it's good to know what that fruit is. So you Absolutely. can see it coming through in your life and you can meditate on the type of change you want to see in your life. You can be yeah. more open to it. So those spiritual fruits, I think are extremely important because it helps us to understand what is the practical connection 
between what we're doing with our prayers and what, how we live. So like the subtitle of my book is called connecting the spiritual fruit to your daily life. So to me, that's the whole practicality of it. The fruit is what is the practical lived result of what we're doing, which again, what was, what's our, what's our, our pet peeve? All this religious stuff that doesn't do anything. But when yeah, we start seeing absolutely. these fruits bore out of our lives, it's like, wow, this is really changing me. Yeah, I, I love that. It's one of my favorite aspects of the rosary too. And I think so few people understand that. And I, it is that it's because, okay, I, I see the fruit that can come from meditating. So when I meditate on the, the resurrection, right? Like the fruit yeah. is I'm going to grow in greater faith. And now all of a sudden I'm like, wow, like, do I have faith in the power of the resurrection? And, and, um, and the, the reason I love, I, I love this is because you're focusing in on the mysteries. And I mean, imagine if, I mean, just imagine if our entire spiritual life was just, was just focusing in on these mysteries that the church has given us, right? Like if I just spent my life meditating on the nativity, meditating on the descent of the Holy Spirit, meditating on the Annunciation, yeah. meditating on the institution of the Holy Eucharist. Mm. In these moments of the life of Christ and in these moments of the life of Our Lady, we find, if you will, everything we need to grow in holiness and everything we need to, to live life on mission, that it, these mysteries are truly there. They're, I, I love the word mystery, right? Like it's inexhaustible. It, it, the, the Greek word for mystery, literally, it, it isn't like a, 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 a murder mystery, like a, a case to be solved. The Greek word for mystery is this inexhaustible reality that the nativity will still be a mystery even in heaven, that the the trinity will still be a mystery even in heaven. And that's what makes heaven so exciting because I, as, as deep as I dive into the Holy Trinity, it's, it's still inexhaustible. Like Amen. the Holy Spirit and, and the Father and the Son, they're inexhaustible. And so the, I, if the rosary has become monotonous to you, it's because you're not diving into the mysteries. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. How how do you enter in if you're if if you're entering into the rosary? Um, uh, how do you enter into it? What's what's your mode of uh, your practice so that yeah. a person can can imitate that? Well, you know, we so I'm leading a live stream every day. So for me, I'm very regimented. I have a schedule, and I think that's huge. Like if you say, "Oh, I'll pray the rosary every day," well, when? When are you going to pray it every yep. day? Like you've, you've got to put that a, as a, as a priority in your day. And so that there needs to be like a, a scheduled time when you do it. Um, so that way it, you won't miss it. So for me, that's, you know, I'm like, okay, five o'clock central. That's everything revolves around that. On the weekends, I do it at different times just because of, of different things with my family. But to be consistent is key and to be regimented in the sense that, okay, <clears throat> this is how I'm going to do this. Now for me to enter in, I'm leading a community of people. So I have all of these, I have all of these, uh, intentions coming at me. And we also have a 24 seven live stream rosary on our, on our rosary crew channel. So all throughout the day, you can go in and pray. So if I, if I, you know, catch a two or three minutes here, I'll just jump in and see who's praying for what and maybe throw up a, a, a decade. Um, but then, so for me, I'm coming into that rosary, like I'm geared up, but it, it's it's kind of the end of my my day, so to speak. Once I'm done with the rosary, then I like enter into my family life. So for me, it's sort of like entering into this is my offering of my day 
to the Lord and Our Lady. And so it's just it's just very meaningful and powerful. But the biggest thing to entering into it is having that consistent time. And sometimes, you know, I might be distracted. I might have had a bad day. I might have be upset or whatever. And, and it's like just saying I'm doing this and I'm I'm not subjecting this part of my life to whatever else is going on. Right. Amen. That's a huge part of it. I love that. How do you utilize? So I'm, um, I have a huge heart for intercession Mm -hmm. and I, um, I feel like uh, the, the spiritual battles that are, we're facing, um, when we enter into ministry, we can't help but be on our knees and and crying out for God for Amen. revival. How how do you utilize the rosary as a form of intercess, intercessory prayer? Well, that's again the whole idea of our community. That's huge because we're constantly offering up our our intentions for others. We're constantly doing that, so people are telling us in real time, "Hey, here's what I got going on. Pray for me. Pray for me." And then every Friday, <clears throat> we as a community pray for the holy souls in purgatory. So that's our work project, you know, like that's what we do. We're like, okay, that's what we're doing on Friday, but every day we see these intentions coming in like crazy. So it's it's not unusual for people to come into our chat and it's like for this person, for that person, for you know, so that's the that's the the vibe that we've seen grow in Amen. that is it's very yeah. much about who are we offering this up for? I love that. Praise the Lord. That's so good. Keith, uh, where can people find your, your, your books? Yeah. So there's two places mainly. Of course, we're on Amazon. So if you just type in Keith Nestor on Amazon, you'll find both of my books. But our ministry website is down to earth ministry.org. So it's down the number two earth ministry.org. You can find everything there. I'm also, you know, I'm very active on YouTube. You just type in Keith Nestor. And then the Rosary Crew is Keith is Rosary Crew with Keith Nestor.org. I'm also on Instagram at Keith Nestor Catholic. I do a daily, I forgot to mention this. I do a daily um, one minute reflection on the gospel for the day, every day on Facebook and Instagram. So if you just, you'll find us if you just try. That's awesome. Praise the Lord. I got to ask, it, it, it does the down to earth with the two as opposed to T.O. Uh, it was the Protestant youth ministry background with Dare to Share at all? <laughs> all influential at all. on that? No, <laughs> okay. I, I don't like that. But that was that was a, 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 a domain name necessity. So the other oh, one was, was okay. already taken. So no, that, I, I, I hey. was like, ah, I just wanted to be, you know, spell it out normal. Cause I, cause every time I have to explain it to people, I have to say that. Um, so no, that had, I wasn't trying to be, I wasn't trying to be cute nor clever. You, you weren't trying to be cute. You nope. got, you got acquire the fire. You have dare to share. I mean, that oh, was yeah. your two. Yeah. All right. You have all well, that. Hey, so to, since, since I have you and, uh, before we close, maybe you could share kind of your, your current understanding of why Catholic summer camps would be valuable for Catholic young people in the, in the world today and in oh, the church man. today. Amen. Same reason it's valuable to anybody, really. It's it's an opportunity to break away from all of the things in your life that are constantly working against you spiritually. When you go on a retreat or you go to camp, especially, you you take a break from that. And and when you're in those environments, you you have enough time to detach from the stuff of the world so that Christ's voice can be heard louder in your life. And also the, the community aspect of it is so powerful. You meet people and experience something together with people at camp that will stick with you your entire life. And it's having that type of experience that's out of your normal routine. The Lord can do incredible things through that. And it's just a ton of fun. I mean, that's another part of it, too. (laughs) You know, camp is a blast. And 
when you when you associate your faith with awesome people, awesome times, and awesome spiritual experience, it, it, there's that that kind of reminds me of something that we're all striving toward, which is heaven, right? That's what it's going to be like. Absolutely. So places like camp are awesome for that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's I I was parish youth minister, and we went all kinds of conferences, all kinds of retreats, and there was just like nothing changes a young person's life like camp. And yeah. it, it, I we always say here at Damascus, we're we're not camp people who talk about Jesus, we're Jesus people who run camp, and because it's like we love Jesus and we want to introduce as many young people to a life with Jesus as possible. But the and we have found the camp is the best way to do that, right? And there, yeah, there's it. a lot of camp people out there that are just like camp 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 uh and, and then they 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 throw jesus on as the icing on the cake if you will or as an accessory mm-hmm. but i think that no this is like camp ministry is a means by which a young person has a solid amount of time to go through a conversion process in the heart of nature where they discover god and they hear his voice through the community through fun all of these incredible things which is just a blessing you haven't been here to damascus yet oh and, i, I want to uh, go i heard about it yeah was telling me about gonna, it. it sounds awesome yeah, we're gonna have to fix that problem. So that's amazing. Uh, awesome. Do you do any youth ministry in the church today, or are you mainly doing these facets of uh, adult education? My, uh, mostly, it's my mostly what I'm doing is geared toward adults. But I, I do I do speak at youth youth stuff, you know, occasionally. Um, I'm not opposed to it, but I'm not like like uh, a parish youth minister or anything like that. Um, but uh, I do I do have experiences with with students when I'm asked to do things like that, and it and it works out. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, I'm going to tap back into that, uh, that, uh, that initial heart for youth ministry. I've got some ideas, yeah. Keith. So <laughs> it, it's going to be coming because uh, I'm a lot older I, now. <laughs> I'm a lot older now. It's different. <laughs> yes. Well, oh, it, I, well, and I'm convinced. I mean, uh, the Lord gave me a revelation this summer that, um, the, the youth are the least of these, like the Matthew 25 least of these. And I, I think right now our, uh, the church doesn't know what to do with our kids. There, we're like lay ministry is just like your youth minister is like a revolving door and parishes aren't putting financial resources there. Uh, um, the, those who are doing youth ministry, that they, they're, they're coming up short. They don't know how to make it work they, and they're burning out quick. Yeah. And um, so there's so much that the Lord wants to do to, to bring our young people back. And I, I know that his desire is to reclaim the young generation for Jesus. And, uh, and so that's going to happen. And as you said earlier, when you were a Protestant youth minister, when the youth come, mom and dad come. And we see that actually. Oh. So I just heard the story um, yesterday. I, I didn't know this. I mean, there's, there was a camper. She came in sixth grade to camp and she's now a sophomore in college. So it's been years. Mm-hmm. And, um, she came in sixth grade all through middle school and high school. Her mom, I was talking to her yesterday, or she was talking to one of our missionaries. And she said, when my daughter came home from camp, she was so in love with Jesus and so in love with the mass that I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And wow. she, she literally started to ask her daughter questions and she ended up converting to Catholicism because of her daughter's wow. witness to, um, just to the, her love for the Eucharist and for the, our Lord. And uh, it's just amazing that parents uh, are so hungry and they too need a witness and they don't know what it's true. Sometimes the young person is the greatest witness. That's I've awesome. Okay. That we're going to yeah. wrap up. I just want to, I want to give you one last chance, Keith, if there's anything burning on your heart from this episode that you want to share. Well, I just want to encourage everybody to pray the rosary. And I'd, we'd love to have you join our, our live stream. You don't have to be in the chat if you don't want to. There's a lot of people. Most people aren't. But 
there's a community out there that will embrace you and pull you right in. So uh, every day at 5 p.m. Central, just go to Rosary Crew with Keith Nestor YouTube and, and jump in and check it out. But whether it's that one or another one, pray the rosary every day. Do that. And it's not like some kind of magic, por- uh, you know, magic potion or some kind of, you know, weird superstitious thing. It is a powerful tool that can transform your life. Amen. Yeah, let's just close in prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. You know, I think one of the greatest fruits of devotion to Our Lady is that you get closer to the spouse of Our Lady, which who is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would flood the lives of our listeners today. We pray that you would fill their hearts and their minds with fire. I pray, Lord, that the fire that burns inside of Keith, the fire that burns inside of me to love you and to share your name with others, that that would burn inside of all of our listeners right now. If, if you've been watching this episode, I, I get a sense there's a, there's, a, there's a person who's been watching and Keith's witness of the gospel has inspired you and, and you've thought to yourself, man, I wish I had a fire like he does. And the, the Lord is saying that it's available to you. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that fire would fall right now. Fire fall right now on that individual. More Lord, more. And if there's anyone who was convicted during this episode to take a bold step of courage, that if uh, God was convicting your heart for a transition in life, that the Lord just wants to give you the gift of courage right now, that that isn't something you have to muster up in yourself. It's a, it's a gift that God wants to give. It's a grace that's available to you. So if, if the Lord was convicting your heart that you need courage for transition, I just want you to open your hands right now. And Keith and I, we're just, we pray encourage upon you. Holy Spirit, inflame power over them. Give them courage. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, great fire of God. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for the gift of the rosary. Thank you for the opportunity to literally have our lifestyle transformed into your very lifestyle through the meditation of the mysteries. And we just pray, Lord, that you would make us like you every day. Make us like your mother every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This has been an exciting episode of Beyond Damascus with Keith Nestor. Thank you so much, Keith, for joining us. If you liked this episode, I want to encourage you to share it with other people or check out Keith's uh, Rosary Crew and get involved uh, on sharing the mysteries of the Rosary with others. Get involved in sharing your faith with others. Brothers and sisters, I think Keith and I talked about some some big things today. The fact that sometimes the form of religion is disassociated with the power uh, of transformation. And if that resonates with you, the only way we're ever going to solve that in the Catholic church is if you and I become men and women who are living in the power of the Holy spirit and we bring power into the form. And so I want to encourage you, don't just be a complainer, uh, but transform this world through, uh, being a witness and God wants to do powerful things in and through you. So join us next week on beyond Damascus. God bless.